A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors come to share their stories, insights, and tips. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top 25 instructors according to golf tips magazine and one of the you know most wonderful people you'll meet on this planet certainly one of the best golf instructors you'll meet and that is mr tom patry tom is also the new director of golf instruction at the hawthorns golf and country club up in fishers indiana about five or six weeks away from uh getting started up there and i'm very excited he is uh with me tonight here on next on the tee good evening tp thanks for coming back on the show Chris, how are you? Nice to be with you, pal. Thank you. So, Tom, I, I, you know, I was, as I've said to the listeners all throughout the show, blessed to be out at Augusta National yesterday. My son and I got to follow your good friend, Fred Couples, uh, for, uh, part of that practice round. He was out there with Tiger and Justin Thomas. And, and, uh, as I told my son, if a former champion from the 50 and older group is going to come out and win at Augusta National ever, Boy, it sure seems like Fred has got the opportunity to do that. He is still just as long as I feel like he ever has been. When I watched him, you know, hit a couple of those drives, killing it off the tee. And uh, there's just something about that course that I think brings out the best in Fred's game. But would you be shocked at all if you found out he was contending come Sunday? You know, Chris, I wouldn't. You know, he he does have a lot of lane still and still creates a lot of speed. It's, it's just a day-to-day thing with Fred's back, and, and it's all a matter of how he feels from day to day getting up there. That's a tough walking golf course, and, uh, you know, we're, we're 60 now. We're not 50 anymore. We're not 40, so getting up every day and, and walking that golf course uh, four straight days, including practice events, so six straight days, you know, takes its toll. We've seen him the last couple of years play really well the, last, the first two rounds, but not be able to sustain it through rounds three and four. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. It just depends on how good he's feeling going into the week. And and Tom, to that end, right? We we we've seen Bernard Longer contend back in 2016. Was actually in the second to last group on on Sunday in in 2016. We saw Jack Nicholas finish tied for sixth in 1998 when he was 58 years old. And to your point, Fred is tied 18th in 2017, tied 38th last year. So what what is it you think about Augusta National that seems to revitalize guys when they're 50 and beyond? Is it just knowledge of the golf course? Is it a confidence feeling they think that comes back over them. Why do you think the past champions are still able to contend once they get into their fifties? You know, Chris, I can't speak to Langer or to, or to Jack, but I can speak to Freddie because, you know, we've talked about it a lot. There are certain places that just fit your eye as a player. I mean, he's always played and liked to play well at Riviera. He's always played well at Augusta. You know, there are certain courses that just fit your eye and that's a place he's always loved to play. He loved it the first time he went there and, and talked about it. And it always talks about it religiously. Um, it's a place they really enjoys. Uh, the sight lines are good. He feels comfortable off the tee there. And, and even through his career, as he's putted, uh, somewhat suspiciously, he's always seemed to roll it pretty good at Augusta. So it's just a place he's very comfortable at. Um, 
you know, Langer's a different cat. I mean, he, he, it's almost like he's from a different planet. He's so fit at his age. Um, that didn't surprise me, his finish there at all. But uh, Freddie loves Augusta. No, it wouldn't surprise me if he played well. I, I just I just worry about him from day to day as far as his conditioning and, and, and how he holds up. And, Tom, you know, considering your friendship with Fred, and we've talked at different points about the the time you spent with Seve Ballesteros, whether it was, you know, working with him or just a friendship that you've had with him over the years. But are, are those your favorite? Are 92, you know, going back to 80 and 83 with Seve, are those your favorite Masters memories, or do you have others? Well, I mean, you know, the Masters is something, that if, if you're a golf fan, is something that's very special to anybody that really loves and has passion for the game. So anybody that studies that tournament and its history, um, and, and I've always done that as, as a player and as a teacher. It's always something that's been very dear to me. It's, I think it's, it's my favorite golf tournament to watch and, and to be into and to look forward to every year. Um, and so many great things happened there. You know, Sarah's in double eagle, Kenny Venturi almost winning as an amateur. Um, you know, Floyd's victory there, Faldo and, and the Norman meltdown. You, you can go on. There's so many great storylines at Augusta. Um, but certainly Seve's victory there, victories there are very dear to me. Uh, because of what he meant to me and, and how he treated me as, as a professional. And then, you know, Freddie being such a close friend, that, that victory is certainly special too. But, you know, how many storylines? I mean, it just seems like every year the back nine of Augusta on Sunday writes another storyline. Um, it, it's just endless. And, Tom, as, as I'm sure you're aware, Augusta National bought up more land. They've lengthened the par four fifth hole. Now it's 495 yards. And, they're going to lengthen the par 5, 13th hole at some point because they bought land uh, you know, at the adjacent Augusta Country Club right behind the 13th tee. But is, is it getting silly now, Tom, you know, with, with how far they're, they're having to make the, you know, the length of these par 4s? Do we really at some point got to start looking at you know, getting the manufacturers together and say, we either got to have bifurcation for the pros, or we got to do something to roll the golf ball back because there's only so much land you can continue to buy up and how far you can make these golf holes be. It's just starting to feel like it's silly to me now. Yeah, because I don't think you'll see the golf ball get rolled back. I think at some point it'll be a situation where you have a lower winning score. I mean, I personally kind of miss the really low, low scoring you used to see at Augusta on the back on Sunday. They've made, you know, 11 so hard. They've, you know, they've made, uh, the, the tee shot at 18 is, is, you know, compared to what it used to be, is so penal and, and so long and so difficult and so tight. Uh, you talk about the length of five now. I mean, you stand on the back of five tee now and it, it's just, it's a monster. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we've gone as far as we can, can't, you know, you're going to be a landlocked at some point there. Uh, and, and I don't think the golf ball is going to change. So I think that what's going to happen is, you know, the golf score, the golf course is going to level out to a winning score. Uh, and not, truthfully, not as exciting as it used to be. I mean, you used to see so many crazy things coming, going on at Augusta coming down the stretch on Sunday. You don't see as many fireworks as you used to see. And I, quite frankly, I, I kind of miss that. They, you know, they planted those trees on the right side of 11. Uh, the, the tee shot on 11 is so hard to get in play now. Um, you know, when they lengthen 13, it'll change the holes dramatically. Um, and then, like you said, number five, and, and again, they continue to do it at 18, too. So, I mean, it, it, it's a different golf course. I'm not sure it's really good um, good viewing anymore or, or not as good as it used to be. 
Uh, I personally liked it when, when it was a little bit more exciting and, and birdies and eagles were, were more the norm. Tom, I want to switch gears a little bit. I got to get some more pointers from you. I uh, got my buddy's trip uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that I've learned from watching some of your videos and reading some of your articles in Golf Tips uh, magazine is on the on the shorter chip shots, pitch shots, you know, 30, 50 yards. And, and I know, you know, you feed into my head, short game, short game, short game. But one of the things that I've learned is is more getting my feet more narrow on those shots. I've been typically the same stance regardless of what club I have in my hand. And uh, it, it, uh, it seems like I'm be I'd be better off on those shorter shots having a more narrow stance. Talk about why that's important. Chris, how many guys are going on your guys' trip coming up in a couple of weeks? Uh, just a handful. We've got uh, five guys. Five guys. So I, I get 250 an hour. So if you guys would divvy that up five ways and send me a check, I, I can give you some more tips. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, no. So short, you know, the great Harvey Pennick, uh said, you know, little shot, little setup, big shot, big setup. But I think a lot of people come to us hitting short shots um, with their feet too wide, with, with them holding the club too long on the grip. Uh, I, I got to spend some time a number of years ago with Raymond Floyd, who arguably, uh, besides Seve, probably had the best short game in the last 20 years and certainly the best pitcher and chip of the golf ball in the last 20 years. And Ray and, and Seve both believed on, you know, gripping down the club almost to the steel. And if you look at Raymond chipping the golf ball, pitching the golf ball, his feet and his heels were almost touching each other. So that goes right back to, like I said, what Harvey Pennick said, you know, big swing, big setup, little swing, little setup, um, and, and controlling the golf club uh, and controlling the use of your body during that shot and minimizing and minimizing your body movement. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see your feet closer together. I'd like to see you choke down on the golf club. I'd like you to learn to control the face a little bit better. Does that start to get progressively wider as you get back through the bag? So if I'm if I'm almost heels touching on say a, you know a thirty forty yard kind of pitch shot, no, I would, am I, I would is there prefer, is there a certain say, distance you say, want them apart? I wouldn't say thirty or forty yard pitch shot heels touching. I'd say you know more greenside pitching and chipping, and then as you move away, uh, progressively it would get a little wider. Certainly, yes. Okay. Now talk about hands, and you talked about almost down, you know, and the close shots, you know, almost down to the steel of the shaft. But you know, are you a hands neutral? Do you like to see the hands more ahead of the golf ball? Where do you, where should we have our hands on these shots? You know, it's funny, Chris. You said I just had a, I just had a short game lesson with a player yesterday at the club, and and you know, we talked about hitting different kinds of green side and and, and progressively pitch shots away from the green. And I said to him, you know, my my two favorite teachers of short game. In 2019, in my industry, a doctor trial and Mr. Error. So you've got to get out there and hit some shots, yeah, and and experiment with you know how long you hold the club, where you play the ball in your stance, depending on what you're trying to do with the golf ball. Certainly, if you want to fight the golf ball lower and make it run a little bit more, it's going to be back in your stance a little bit more, and your hands are going to be a little bit more forward. You're going to get the golf ball up in the air a little bit more. It's more centered in your stance, and your hands are a little bit more neutral. And again, all that's based on club selection as well. So I think there are different combinations of how long you hold the club, where you put the ball between your feet, you know, what size swing you make, what club you take out of the golf bag in terms of the loft you select. There are a lot of factors going into hitting different types of golf shots. And I don't think people, unlike, very unlike Seve and Raymond, 
are very creative around the greens, and I think good short game players are highly creative. And Tom, for for most of us, that let's say you know we've got an 8 a.m. tea time in the morning, we we come flying into the parking lot at you know 7:45. We we run into the clubhouse, we pay, and then uh, we're we're grabbing our bag and we're running off to the first tee. But um, for from your perspective, what what should a, you know, how should we be preparing ourselves for an eight o'clock tea time? What time should we be arriving? How much time should we be paying? Playing, uh, spending out on the range, on the practice uh, green, all of that sort of thing. What what should that time frame look like for us to be ready for an eight o'clock tee time? Well, I, I think Chris, that's that's pretty individual. I mean, I, I personally, I need at least an hour, at least an hour to feel prepared in terms of being ready to have a golf shot on the first tee and feeling like I have a chance. And in terms of you know, getting there, stretching a little bit, you know, hitting some short shots around the green, hitting some putts moving progressively away from the green and hitting some shots on a range from a, from a short iron, working through my bag into my driver. And, and I mean enough shots where I feel comfortable. And I'm not trying to solve any problems during warm-up. I'm just trying to warm up and feel comfortable with my body and being loose enough to feel like I can make a swing off the first game, be fairly aggressive and, 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 and make solid contact and feel balanced. So I think that's an individual thing. But I I, I don't know anybody that's any good with, with, with some rare exceptions that doesn't spend an hour or more getting ready. So if it means getting out of bed a little earlier and getting to getting to play golf at a higher level, I think you need to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, you probably have to expect that you know, you're going to have some rough starts off the first tee. And Tom, to that end, right? You know, you mentioned you know getting out there and there's you know there's dew on the ground now. We're out on the golf course, but it's still early and that sort of thing. Is there from a weather perspective, what impact does that have for you on club selection? You know, are you are you thinking, all right, well, it's, you know, the sun's just coming up here. We got dew on the ground. The ball isn't going to travel as far. How should we be really starting to calculate in our minds what we should be hitting from a club selection perspective early in the morning? You know, that's, that's, that's a really good Florida question right now, Chris. So we're going to, we're going to a time here in Florida right now where the humidity is going up. The air is getting a little heavier. Um, we are, we do have more dew on the ground during the day. So the fairways aren't as firm and as fast. The air is heavier, and that certainly affects your club selection. You know, certainly later on in the day when it gets a little warmer and things dry out a little bit, you know, your conditions change. So I think it's a factor, but again, I think that's a little bit individual based on, you know, the amount of speed you create in your golf swing and what your normal yardages are. But to me, it's, you know, those early morning tee times and those kind of conditions you're talking about with the humidity and the dew could be, could be as much as a half of a club. So I think you need to be aware of that also. And what what impact do you think it has on the greens? I know uh, you know you you've pounded into my head about you know hey leave the clubs at home for a week or two go out and just practice your putting and that's a great way to cut down strokes. But is there a, is there a do impact on the greens that we need to also be calculating into our heads? Does that slow well, it down? How that, much does it slow it down? I think that depends on the, the club you're playing at and the, and the and the maintenance practices, Chris. I mean if you're playing at a a pretty high-end country club where there's, you know, there's a lot of maintenance done before the first golfer hits it off the first tee, and you know the greens are the greens are cut and they're rolled and 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 there's no dew on the green, you know there'll be minimum impact. If you're playing at a public golf course where maybe those conditions aren't quite the same, you know you got to pay attention to that. But certainly, if if you're playing at that public golf course, you're gonna you're gonna find that same condition in the practice putting room before you go to the first tee, and you should have paid attention to that during your warm-up. Because um, those conditions probably exist there as well as at, on the first green when you arrive at. 
So, Tom, one, you know, just a couple more here before we let you go. And um, as we sort of work back through our our regiment for getting prepared to play a round of golf, do you uh, are you a pitching wedge back up through to driver? How how should we be going through our bags out on the practice tee to get uh, to get dialed in? Yeah, I've always worked from short to long, Chris. So you know, I I try to alternate um, odds and evens. So you know, for example, on a, on a Monday I'd go pitching wedge eight iron, six iron, four iron hybrid fairway with driver and then on the next day I would I would go pitching wedge nine iron seven iron five iron three iron hybrid three with driver so you know I, over the course of two days I try to touch every club in my golf bag uh, and there are no favorites um, but you know I'm certainly working from short to long and I'm moving through the set gradually as, as I feel like my golf swing is getting a little more responsive and a little more loose during my warm-up Tom, you, you've written so many great articles for uh, for the magazine. I, I'm just curious to get uh, what we could uh, start to look forward to. What what are some of the new things coming out that you're writing about uh, for Golf Tips magazine? Well, Chris, more so than just me writing about them, uh, Vic Williams, the editor of Golf Tips, has kind of resurrected that magazine, which was, for all intents and purposes, a couple of years ago, dead and buried. And he's done a wonderful job with it. And we've uh, I've been very fortunate enough to be asked by them to be on their on their selection committee for their top 25 list. And if you look at that list really carefully, and the viewers can go to golftipsmagazine.com and check it out, the uh, 25 people we put together there are are really really talented and, have, and each have a hell of a resume. Um, so there's a lot of good things coming down the pike there in all areas of the game, from from you know short game to full swing to you know new technologies to club fitting to uh, to how to practice, how to play, you know, playing lesson type situations. It's all being covered this year. So I, I would really suggest to anybody out there who hasn't seen that magazine and the revival of that magazine, get involved with it and check it out, both, you know, on their newsstand and, and in the, in the online presence that's developing as well. Vic's done a wonderful job with that, and we're very proud of it. Tom, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great advice that you have, whether it's online or it's on social media. Chris, thanks. Yeah, certainly at the website at TomPatry.com and then all the social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, or and the, or the two Facebook pages are, are all available. And, uh, and they can also go to my website and subscribe to the newsletter, which comes out quarterly, um, my TP Golf newsletter. So any of those any of those venues are, are available to the listeners. And Tom, I can't let you go before I uh, get a winner from you. Who do you think is going to be on top of the leaderboard come Sunday evening? You know, my short list would certainly be would certainly include Tiger. I think Rory's really peaking at the right time. I love I love what Fleetwood's done and his body of work. And my dark horse, and it's not really a dark horse, but the guy I really want to see play well, and I think might just do it. And it is a dark horse by probably most people's standards of Augusta is Francisco Molinari. Wow, I mean, yeah, if Molinari's a dark horse, a guy that uh, just recently won and uh, you know won a major last year and had such a great year. That's that's uh, saying something. I got him because I tell you what, I got him in my foursome. There's, I, I think you know, that you know, guy's got a great chance of winning. It's it's funny, Chris. People talk about Brooks Kepka and I get any respect, but if you look at Molinari's body of work in the last 36 months, I don't think he's gotten his due at all. And uh, I, I, you know, I they say he's not long enough for Augusta. I'm not sure about that. They said Zach, Zach Johnson wasn't long enough either. So right, I would right. watch him. I would watch him carefully. Agreed. TP, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Chris, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. See you, TP. 
That's a great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I, at Tom Patry on, uh, on Twitter. All kinds of great stuff, TomPatry.com. His website's fantastic. A lot of really good videos, a lot of great advice, and great articles out there on Golf Tips Magazine as well. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.